Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. This is the final of our divisional previews, and in this episode, I'm going to be previewing the AFC East, the Bills, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. We're going to be talking about each team, their projected over-under, and player props for each team this season. So without further ado, let's dive in. And we are back with our final divisional preview, the Buffalo Bills, AFC East defending champions. The Bills seem to have taken over this division now. It almost feels sacrilege to think that they wouldn't be dominating this year, which is so strange considering uh, we're coming off this nearly two decades long domination by the Patriots in this division. But the Bills enter this season as the presumptive Super Bowl favorites at plus 550. Uh, You can get them to win the AFC from anywhere between plus 360 to plus 275. Uh, I was able to get on them at a little bit better odds earlier in the offseason. But entering this year after this offseason, I think everyone uh, in terms of prognosticators, odds pickers, are looking at this Bills team like a team that should be within that Final Four AFC championship range uh, in terms of final outcomes this year. And that's because... Anyone who watched last season saw just how close this team came to going to the AFC title game, and presumptively, at least in my opinion, I I think this was the team that was going to get to the Super Bowl if they did beat that Chiefs team last year. We'll never know, because ultimately, that final 13 seconds heartbreaking loss they suffer to the Chiefs ends their season prematurely uh, after a heroic performance by Josh Allen. I think what's lost in a little bit of people's preseason impressions of the Bills is just how much this team sort of struggled to finish games in the regular season last year. I was viewing this Bills team all year preseason last year as well as a potential Super Bowl contender. So I was surprised as the season progressed that they struggled to really close out games. They took a beating from the Colts. I think people forget that game because Carson Wentz flamed out so epically, but the Colts went into Buffalo and laid a beating down on this Bills team. Remember, the Titans also beat the Bills. Ultimately, I think it was a Monday night football game. So the Bills weren't necessarily dominant in the regular season last year. But when the playoffs came, they kicked the living shit out of the New England Patriots with one of the most dominant performances of all time. And that was off the heels of the Patriots winning that strange weather game in Buffalo earlier in the regular season. I think based on some of the advanced analytics, football outsiders had this team with a 27.6 DVOA last year, uh, which tracks generally, I mean, it's just a random number if you don't really understand the context of it, but DVOA really tracks your overall efficiency as a team, uh, both offense and defense. And if you see a number that high, typically 27.6 DVOA, usually you're going to see a team track for more than 11 wins. So this team definitely had some bad luck in terms of how the regular season was progressing, how they were finishing uh, within that regular season. So coming off of that loss, they sign Shaq Lawson, they sign Jamison Crowder, uh, they trade for Von Miller, uh, so so this was a big offseason for the Bills, and looking at this roster, it just feels to me like the Bills front office knows that the window is closing for this team. We've seen the Chiefs face this closing window in the last two years, right, where they've had to make some tough decisions in terms of losing Tyree Kill, losing Tyron Matthew, losing players who were the identity of this team over the last five years, over that championship window we saw really get kickstarted by Patrick Mahomes joining the team. The Bills are now on a similar trajectory. They have 
Stefan Diggs on, I think, the second to last or third to last year on his deal, they will have to face the prospect of trading him or cutting him after this year where his salary balloons up to $20 million and then I think $26 million in 2024. So the Bills see what this looks like down the road where the bill comes to pay and you got to pay for your imminent or immediate attempt to contend. They see what the Rams did in terms of going all in over the last two years and leveraging assets down the line in order to compete. And while the Bills aren't doing anything so drastic as trading all of their first round picks over the last several years, you look at this Von Miller trade, you look at some of their offseason signings, the guys they're bringing in, and it's hard not to think that they are cognizant of the idea that they may not be in this position forever. You're not going to have many seasons where you enter as the presumptive Super Bowl favorite. So it makes sense to go all in while you have a young quarterback whose extension, where he's going to be making $40 million a year, hasn't quite kicked in yet. With all of that said, it's impossible for me not to think this Bills team is going to kick the shit out of people this year. This Bills team is front to back, one of the most dominant rosters in the NFL. There's a reason they're the presumptive favorite. There's a reason that they were 13 seconds away from knocking off the presumptive favorite last year in the, in the Chiefs. They come back from that devastating loss. And to me, when you have one of those devastating losses, unless you sort of break up that roster in response to that, I'm always keen to see how the team responds in the offseason. And this team responded by getting some big defensive difference makers. They also bring in Jamison Crowder, who I think should add a real slot reliability with Cole Beasley going. Gabriel Davis really emerged as the playoff progressed last year into a reliable touchdown scoring receiver. I saw a stat the other day that in his draft class from he's only been in the league for two years. He is second overall only to DK Metcalf, I believe, in touchdowns, uh, despite playing not that many games, not nearly as many games as a lot of the other guys with whom he was drafted. So it seems to me the Bills have all the pieces here, not only to win the AFC East, because to me, that's a lock. They're minus 230 to win this division. That's why I don't even mention their odds really early on. They're worrying about not winning the AFC East, but winning the entire Super Bowl. I think even if this isn't the year that they win the Super Bowl, I think this is the year they enter the playoffs as a one seed. They dominate the regular season. They make up for some of that bad luck they had last year. Even if this defense takes a minor step back or with these offseason signings, takes something of a step forward and the offense is at baseline for what it was last season, which from two years ago, the Bills offense was not as efficient. We saw a lot of unconverted red zone opportunities with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, but this team is primed to dominate the regular season, primed to be a one or two seed in the conference. And I think the Bills are going to go well over their projected win total, 11 and a half games. In terms of prop picks for this team, I have two prop picks that I love. The first is feeding into what I just mentioned about lost opportunities last year. Stefan Diggs over eight and a half receiving touchdowns. And here's why I love this prop pick. He had nine receiving touchdowns last year on 33 red zone targets. But if you watch the games, if you watch the film, there were so many opportunities sort of left on the field last year. So many misconnections in the red zone that really should have converted. I think that if Stefan Diggs stays healthy this year, there's almost no way he doesn't see double-digit touchdowns just because you can see watching the film just how much Josh Allen trusts him in the red zone. He's looking for him constantly. He always is relying on him on those high-leverage third downs near the goal line. And this is just a connection that I really believe is going to return to form after something of a down year last year in terms of production for Stefan Diggs. My second prop pick for the Bills also feeds into this red zone narrative. I think the Bills are going to score a lot of points this year. 
I think Vegas thinks they're going to score a lot of points this year. Everything that we know about this team indicates that this is going to be a high-scoring offense. It's going to be a really fun offense. So last year, we saw Dawson Knox score eight touchdowns. And people are going to look at his receiving totals. I think he had 50-ish receptions. Eight touchdowns on 50 receptions is untenable. Most people will tell you that is an untenable statistic. It's not something that is going to carry over from year to year. And that is in part because touchdown regression is usually due for guys who are not seeing the volume that we're used to seeing for these high-scoring touchdown totals. I think Dawson Knox is the exception to that rule. And the reason for that is if you, again, watch the film from last year— Dawson Knox became an incredibly reliable player near the red zone. Not only did Josh Allen constantly look for him as a first read near the goal line, but the Bills were running up plays for this guy. They were calling things just to get Dawson Knox in a unique sort of one-on-one opportunity so that he could score touchdowns, putting him in motion, doing a lot of the stuff that the Chiefs have done over the last several years to free up their receivers. I know the Bills have a new offensive coordinator this year with Frank Dable moving on to the Giants, but I can't believe that they'll suddenly want to move away from putting Dawson Knox in a position to maximize on his physical gifts and score touchdowns. So I'm over Dawson Knox 6.5 receiving touchdowns this year. Let's move on now to the New York Jets. Uh, The Jets are something of a dumpster fire over the last several years. They signed Lakin Tomlinson at the, on the O-line. They signed DJ Reed at corner, Jordan Whitehead at safety. Uh, they lose Marcus May to that Achilles tear last year, so they're getting some help likely midseason with Marcus May coming back. They signed CJ Uzuma at tight end. More importantly, the Jets had a big draft. They had three first-round picks, so you'd expect them to really leverage those, okay? Sauce Gardner with the fourth pick. Garrett Wilson from Ohio State at 10, uh, wide receiver. Then Jermaine Johnson on the edge. Then they used their second-round pick on running back Brees Hall, the first running back taken off the board. The Jets really made the most of a lot of draft capital, and they bring in these four difference-making rookies who I think are going to be expected to contribute from day one. And I'll talk a little bit more about what I make of... Brees Hall in terms of prop opportunities and what he may be able to contribute immediately, but just in terms of what the Jets can expect from these four big high draft capital rookies, I think they're going to see good returns early on. But my concern always with teams that rely on high draft capital rookies is that sometimes these guys just take a little bit of time to develop. I think Sauce Gardner should be able to immediately slot in as a difference maker, and the same thing with Jermaine Johnson. Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, the wide receiver, uh, I loved him as a talent, but I don't see him necessarily stepping in and being an immediate difference maker the way we've seen some of these rookie wide receivers really explode onto the scene the last couple of years. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have sort of broken our brains in terms of what we expect from these guys now because they just entered and had two of the best wide receiver rookie seasons of all time. So I don't think Garrett Wilson's going to repeat that primarily because I don't trust Zach Wilson to allow Garrett Wilson to explode onto the scene. And ultimately, this Jets team and any assessment of this Jets team really starts and ends with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was was not good last year. He showed a few flashes, right? I mean, this is a team that did beat the number one overall seed last year in the AFC, the Titans. uh, And part of that was Zach Wilson just airing it out and, and throwing some incredible balls. But over the course of the year, Zach Wilson really lacked any sense of consistency, the consistency that you would want to see in a guy that you got with your second overall pick. So the big question for the Jets this year is who is Zach Wilson? Is Zach Wilson the guy? Unfortunately for the Jets, we saw early in the preseason, he's already struggling with injuries, narrowly avoiding a devastating knee injury that may have robbed him of his season. So Zach Wilson has shown already in his first year an inability to stay healthy, right? He struggled with a knee injury last year. He missed a bunch of time. And now we're going in a year two 
Zach Wilson is missing most of the preseason now with this knee injury. He may miss week one. So let's say Zach Wilson returns week two, and now he's had almost four or five weeks off post-knee surgery. I'm struggling to see a world in which Zach Wilson, at least in the beginning of the season, can get things done in, in a way that works. On top of whatever concerns I have about Zach Wilson, the Jets' first two months of a schedule is absolutely brutal. The Jets this season, in terms of other divisional opponents, play the AFC North, which projects to be one of the better, more consistent divisions this year, with the Ravens, the Bengals taking a step up last year being in the Super Bowl. Uh, The Steelers are going to be in a weird spot, but they should be competitive. And the Browns, who they narrowly avoid Deshaun Watson, but still, I think the Browns have one of the better rosters outside of the quarterback position in the NFL this year. So let's just run through briefly some of the Jets' early season opponents. Week one, they got the Ravens, then the Browns, then the Bengals, then at the Steelers, then they play the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bills, the Patriots. Finally, on November 27th, they get some relief and play the Bears at home. But up until that Bears game, this is a tough stretch for the Jets. They have a quarterback who's missed most of the offseason. They're playing a number of defenses that I think are really going to give teams fits, including the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Dolphins early on. Uh, The Broncos should be one of the better defenses in the league as well, and they also play the Patriots, who've really had their number over the last several years. What I'm concerned about with this Jets team is that if they struggle early on, they can never really put it all together. And so much of this relies on the fact that Zach Wilson needs to basically hit the ground running despite having almost no preseason to prepare. And despite being one of the more raw draft prospects that we've seen over the last couple of years in terms of high draft capital, if you look at a guy like Trey Lance, who's coming into an almost completely opposite position, he's coming to a roster that was an NFC title contending team last year, and his schedule to open this year is just a cakewalk. He's playing so many easy games the first couple weeks, so even if he struggles with some of his progressions, some of his natural playmaking ability, I think that he has a soft landing in terms of an NFL debut, NFL opening stretch. Whereas Zach Wilson has all the issues we already mentioned on top of facing a brutal schedule to open the year. The Jets over under projected total is five and a half games this year. I think there's a world in which they do go over this total. I think the line right now is juice for them to go over. But I'm going to take the under with this team. And it seems lame to sort of pile on the Jets at this point because they've struggled for so long. But I just struggle to see how this Zach Wilson-led Jets team wins six games this year. Even with the extra game on the schedule, I think they're going to struggle with a brutal schedule to open the season. And we all know just how much these things can snowball. If a team really struggles out of the gate, Zach Wilson isn't looking the part. We could see this whole situation implode very quickly. So that's my take on the Jets. Under five and a half wins this year. Uh, don't touch them to to win the division or anything. One bet I do like for the Jets, the team total, is for them to possibly finish third in the division. Uh, I think that may take a lot of luck, uh, and they would have to go over for that to happen. In all likelihood, I'm staying away from this over-under win total, but I'll be hitting some of these props that I'll tell you about now. Uh, my first and only prop pick for the New York Jets is a big one. It's Brees Hall under 830 and a half rushing yards. Now, I just told you Brees Hall was the first running back taken in the 2022 draft. Why am I betting against this guy? Why am I fading him? Especially because if you look at the kind of offense the Jets want to run, uh, the LaFleur, Shanahan-infused offense, committed to the run, committed to controlling the ball, Brees Hall would seem to slot right into that, right into what the Jets want to do on offense. But ultimately, this is an opportunity stat. 
And I think Michael Carter, who was in that building last year, who showed some real flashes as a player last year and has gotten some really good buzz early in camp, I think Michael Carter is going to single-handedly prevent Brees Hall from going over 830 and a half rushing yards. Because usually when we have these star-level running backs enter the league, they typically find themselves playing behind an established starter in some capacity. Michael Carter is no established starter. I think he's a second-year player still, uh, but he showed enough of a flash and showed enough of what this coaching staff and what this front office want out of a player that I think he's going to have a huge role within this offense no matter what. Even if Brees Hall comes out of the gate and is really impressing people, I could see this being a sort of 60-40 split all the time, constantly. And I just told you about all of the stellar defenses the Jets face early in this year. Brees Hall could very well find himself game scripted out of games. He's a rookie running back. Rookies typically struggle with pass blocking and with receiving out of the backfield. I think those were the two big knocks on Brees Hall coming out of college. He's an extremely talented pure rusher, but we don't know what we're going to be getting from him as a blocking running back. And if the Jets are in these tight games trying to come back, he could find himself off the field more often than not. So that's why I'm keen on taking Brees Hall under 830 and a half rushing yards. Let's move on to the New England Patriots. Their projected over-under win total this year is eight and a half games. What's going on with the Patriots? The Patriots are in a weird position, right? Because they sort of capped themselves out this offseason by the moves that they made last offseason, the first post-Cam Newton offseason where they didn't really know what they wanted to be as a roster. They had really struggled to draft any notable offensive receiver talent, so they had to go out in free agency in a relatively weak free agency class and sign guys like Kendrick Bourne from the Niners, sign guys like Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders, and all of a sudden you you look around and you see that receiving room is not one you want to have, and you're paying it a lot of money. They signed guys like Jonu Smith, who didn't really do much of anything last year, uh, but he was one of the better blocking tight ends in the league last year. Despite that, they didn't pay him to be a blocker. They paid him to contribute in the receiving game. Early reports out of camp where the Patriots say that he's been a standout, but they said that last year. They, they, they reported that this guy was always looking very much the part in practice, but when it came down to game time, Hunter Henry was the tight end who really stepped up and really showed a connection with Mac Jones. Much like the Jets, the Patriots' trajectory this year ultimately comes down to Mac Jones and whether he can progress as a passer. I think Mac Jones was extremely impressive. He was definitely the most impressive rookie quarterback of the class that came in last year. It was almost expected where he entered the league with this understanding that he had the lowest ceiling of the guys taken last year. And he was almost a finished product in terms of he was a high level field processor, high level field general, but he wasn't a guy who got by on athleticism alone or really was capable of making things happen when things broke down. And I got to be honest with you, I was so low on Mac Jones as a prospect because of that low ceiling, but I think it was really sort of oversold because Mac Jones was pretty damn good last year and he made a lot of high level NFL throws. I think the reality of it is that at this time uh, in this environment where all these freakish athlete quarterbacks are coming out of college and they're running four, five, four, four forties and looking like the best athlete you've ever seen on top of throwing a ball 40 yards on a dime. I think guys like Mac Jones are becoming undervalued. But I think Mac Jones is very much akin to a guy like Matt Ryan or one of these traditional pocket passers. He may be one of the last true pocket passers we see taken that high in the draft for some time just because he is a guy who struggles to move around 
but despite that, is really keeping that offense operating at a high level based purely on his ability to diagnose things before the snap, pre-snap motion, pre-snap diagnosis, and just to hang in the pocket and deliver the ball on time and within rhythm. So Mac Jones is better than we thought he was, but the problem is that that worked year one. That worked to get you to the playoffs, but we saw what that looks like, what the future of that looks like. When you play a team that has one of those superstar quarterbacks like Josh Allen, we saw what the ceiling looks like, and that was the Bills destroying the Patriots in the playoffs, just murdering them. The Patriots couldn't really move the ball. The Patriots hid Mac Jones for a lot of the season last year behind a stellar rushing offense, and I think they will attempt to do that again this year. All the reports from Patriots camp are they're transitioning to the zone blocking scheme because they know of everything that opens up in terms of running lanes, in terms of being able to stick any level of talent almost at running back and get a lot of production there. There have been so many no-name guys in this Shanahan zone blocking offense that have stepped right in and been dominant rushers for a season or two. And the Patriots want to be part of that. They have a relatively talented running back room with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. But I think that the real challenge for this Patriots team is going to be taking that next step and and having Mac Jones take a step that will allow them to compete for division titles. Is he good enough to elevate a group of receivers that is now led by their recent trade acquisition, Devontae Parker? Devontae Parker is a guy who has shown flashes. He's shown himself to be a top-level receiver at various points in his career, but he just can't stay on the field. There's no consistency with Devontae Parker. That's always been his problem. We'll talk a little bit more about him when we talk about prop bets for this team, but for now, I just have to say I'm so low on the Patriots because of their ceiling as a roster. I think they lose J.C. Jackson, they they lose defensive personnel, and now they're running into the season with a relatively porous offensive group and relying on their first-round quarterback from last year, Mac Jones, to elevate that group. When you look around the the division, everyone else got better. The Patriots just didn't take the steps necessary to improve. On top of all of those things, they're going to have Matt Patricia, previous defensive coordinator, previous abomination of a head coach. He's going to be their play caller this year on offense. So I have no faith in this Patriots offense. I have no faith really in the coaching staff outside of Belichick. For all those reasons, I'm taking the Patriots under eight and a half wins this year. No defense, questionable coordinators, a disgusting receiving room. Give me the under all day. In terms of props for this team, I just have one prop for the Patriots. It's Devontae Parker over three and a half receiving touchdowns. I think Devontae Parker is automatically going to slide into this roster as the number one red zone threat at receiver. I think Hunter Henry and him will be sort of a 1A, 1B situation because Parker is a gifted physical specimen. He's a guy who really can get up and, and snag a ball and high point the ball. And if he can form any sense of a connection with Mac Jones, we could very easily see him go over this total within the first half of the season. Three and a half just seems way too low for me on a guy who I think is automatically going to slot into this team as the number one. The question here, as always with Devontae Parker, is whether he can stay healthy. So if he can, give me over 3.5 receiving touchdowns for Devontae Parker this year. This brings us to our final team in our AFC East preview. That is the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins over-under win total is set at 8.5. They trade for Tyreek Hill, probably the biggest trade of the offseason. They give up a lot of assets to get this guy and to extend him to bring in a true superstar receiver. And it's interesting to look at what the Dolphins are doing because the format for roster construction that they seem to be following is very much almost a carbon copy of what the Bills have done over the last couple of years. 
and that is draft a quarterback, surround him with top tier receiver talent and see what you got and see if he can elevate his level of play to match that talent around him. We saw with Josh Allen, it worked. It all worked out. Now he is a superstar quarterback who is setting the world ablaze. And they are, as I mentioned before, the presumptive Super Bowl favorites. The Dolphins are hoping they can do that with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and Mike Gesicki and all the running backs they brought in to support Tua Vagaloga. Mike McDaniels enters this season a first-year head coach after coming over from the Niners as offensive coordinator, and he's here for one reason and one reason alone, to set Tua up for success, to put Tua in a position to make him a quarterback who can win playoff games, to be the franchise guy. There's a reason this guy was the top prospect coming out of high school. There's a reason he has been projected to have this top-tier pedigree. He's a very good field operator. He processes the field very well. Um, And I think that by surrounding him with these extremely fast receivers in Waddle and Tyreek Hill, guys who operate very well in the short to intermediate part of the field. I know everyone looks at Tyreek as this burner who goes over the top, but if you look at all his advanced analytics over the last couple of years, this is a guy who's become incredible at the intermediate part of the field. Stick moving receptions, first downs, third down conversion. This is the guy who you want on your team. He converts third downs. That's all you can ask of from a number one wide receiver in this league. So saying all of that, for the Dolphins, it all comes down to Tua. And when I did my preview of some of the new head coaches this year, I was disappointed with what I found from Mike McDaniels. Going through his career, it became clear to me this is a rushing first coordinator. He was a running backs coach with the Falcons. Last year as offensive coordinator, I know he wasn't calling plays for the Niners, but they finished last in pace of play. They called the least in number of plays per game. I know part of that was just the Shanahan design. Shanahan doesn't want to run a lot of plays every game. But I can't help but think, given the background Mike McDaniels brings to this job, he's not going to be a rushing first coordinator who emphasizes the intermediate and short parts of the field, who emphasizes those yard-after-catch opportunities that the Niners have used so well over the last couple years. As a practical matter, I think that is winning football. I think that makes for a team that will likely surprise some people this year, and for an offense that I think is going to be a lot better than people may be thinking, this offense is going to be moving the sticks with relative consistency. Whether that's Tua turning into the passer everyone seems to want him to be, I'm not sure, I can't say, but I think they're going to put him in a situation where they can hide his deficiencies. He's been a damn good RPO passing quarterback uh, and, and that sort of simplified offense since he came into the league. It's just when you ask him to do things off script that he really sort of struggles. But at the very least, I could see Mike McDaniels and the Dolphins turning Tua into a better version of Jimmy G within this offense, a guy who is not taking those deep shots necessarily, but who is moving the sticks with consistency and getting the ball to his guys who can make things happen after the catch. For all those reasons, on top of a defense that's going to be really good this year, I think this defense is going to be vastly improved. I think the Dolphins are going to go over their projected win total of eight and a half games. I think this defense likely carries an offense that struggles early in the season, but ultimately finds its footing as the year progresses. I think that Tua is going to have a very high efficiency season, even if he's not setting the world ablaze. But I also think that Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle likely disappoint in terms of their overall season totals outside of maybe receptions for Waddle. In terms of yardage and touchdowns, I could see this being a team that really emphasizes the run game in the red zone in a way that is not useful for people who are betting on those top pass-catching targets. In terms of prop bets for this team, 
I just have one really, and, and that's Chase Edmonds. I want a part of this rushing attack for all the reasons I've said before. Go back, listen to my coaching preview. You'll see. Mike McDaniels really values the run game. It's going to be a point of emphasis for this team to control the ball and to run the ball down people's throats. Whether this offensive line can sustain that manner of offense, we shall see. But I want a piece of it. So right now, Chase Edmonds doesn't have any prop rushing totals up on DraftKings or FanDuel. Once those go up, I will likely take the over on his rushing yardage total. I won't bet that much on it because I know how much McDaniels likes a variety of running backs. And, and you look at the guys he signed this year, it, it's a packed running back room. They have Mostert, they have Michelle, um, and they still have Miles Gaskin, who I thought was a pretty useful player there. What I love even more than that, more than Chase Edmonds over on, on his rushing yardage or rushing touchdowns, is this weird DraftKings special bet. If you go to Team Specials, you go to the Dolphins, you'll see. It's Chase Edmonds, Mostert, and Sony Michelle to have over 18.5 combined regular season rushing touchdowns, plus 125. And I'm hammering this bet. I'm hammering it because I think this is a point of emphasis. Like I said, they are going to run the shit out of the ball. And whether that is Chase Edmonds, whether Raheem Mostert slots in there and steals touches, or whether Sony Michelle comes down the stretch and, and slots into that role he had with the Rams last year, where he is the reliable back down the stretch. This is a team that's going to be running the ball in the red zone. And I think that they go over 18 and a half regular season rushing touchdowns. This concludes our AFC East preview. Thanks, as always, for listening. I will be back next week with a Propapalooza. We're going to be going through props for all 32 NFL teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, I'll talk to you guys soon.